Hey guys, welcome to Finding Yourself. I'm your host, Carl Duffy, and on this podcast, I discuss all things movie and TV. I'm a huge cinema buff, and the podcast is dedicated to my love of cinema, whether that's discussing new upcoming movies that I think you should check out, giving detailed reviews around movies and TV shows I'm passionate for, or having detailed discussions around different concepts and genres of movies in cinema. I also have guests on the podcast from time to time to discuss things they're passionate about as well. So if this sounds like something that might interest you, please make sure to check out the rest of my episodes up on Spotify, follow along for future content, and make sure to give me a rating up there. It always helps my visibility. Thanks for clicking on the episode. Hope you enjoy. In today's episode, I'll be discussing The Father, starring Olivia Colman and Anthony Hopkins, as well as Matrix Resurrections, starring Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, and Jada Pinkett Smith. I had a chance this past week to sit down and watch both these movies, so you'll be getting detailed reviews on them in this episode. I'll also be discussing method acting, which is practiced by many different actors across Hollywood. I want to have a debate and a discussion in this episode on whether method acting works or not, whether it's worth the hassle and whether it adds to a movie or hinders it. I'll also be discussing upcoming movies that I think are worth your time and giving recommendations at the end of the episode on what movies to check out in the upcoming months. Before we kick off the episode, I'd love to get your thoughts and recommendations on movies and TV shows you think would be worth my time and movies and TV shows you're watching at the moment. As always, you can always share your thoughts with me up on Anchor FM, Spotify or Twitter. On Anchor FM, I always leave a voice note message link in the description of each episode. You can always take part in the questions and surveys I put up on Spotify for each episode or get in contact with me on Twitter at Kyle underscore T underscore Duffy. Love to know your thoughts and opinions. To kick off the episode, let's get into method acting. I don't know about you, but I feel like it all depends on the actor who's practicing method acting. For some actors, it's worked. For some, it's kind of given them a bad reputation in Hollywood. And I'd like to start with the actors who've gained a bit of a reputation from their commitment to method acting and in some regard this method has worked for them obviously the one that springs to mind is Daniel Day-Lewis throughout his career he has fully committed to the characters he's played in movies and made sure to live his life as if he were these characters in real life during the shooting of his movies but because he's committed to this practice There is loads of stories of him shooting movies and not getting along with co-stars because they're just driven up the wall by his antics, by his behaviour. One prime example of this is a movie he shot in 2002 called Gangs of New York. He starred in that movie alongside some great actors, Leonardo DiCaprio, Cameron Diaz, Brendan Gleeson, John C. Reilly, Henry Thomas and Liam Neeson. Great cast involved, but there was stories about the way Daniel Day-Lewis was behaving on set and off set because he played a very divisive, very aggressive character in this movie called Bill the Butcher. In the movie, there's several gangs fighting for control of New York and it's a very gory movie. The opening scene of the movie is a great indicator to how much violence there is in the movie because the opening scene starts with two characters being killed off straight away. There's John C. Reilly's character, who is 
brutally killed in the first scene as well as Liam Neeson's character who's killed in a gory battle against Bill the Butcher played by Daniel Day-Lewis but just back to Daniel Day-Lewis's commitment to method acting like I mentioned he plays Bill the Butcher a very gory violent character in this movie and because he has many enemies in the movie he treated them in real life how he treats them in the movie in the movie Daniel Day-Lewis's character Bill the Butcher thinks that all his enemies are the scum of the earth he thinks that he has the right to rule New York with his gang and treats everyone else like scum for instance Liam Neeson's character plays the head of the Irish gang and they're mortal enemies in this movie so Daniel Day-Lewis treated Liam Neeson with the same hostility offset as he did when he was playing this character Bill the Butcher and there was one particular story I remember being told about the intensity that Daniel Day-Lewis brought to this character was after the movie had wrapped Liam Neeson shared a story about a bowling ball being hurled at his head during some bowling party that the cast were having and it was done by Daniel Day-Lewis and Daniel Day-Lewis said outright well my character is trying to kill him in the movie so I was trying to kill him in real life and obviously he wasn't trying to kill Liam Neeson but he was going as far as attempting to hurt Liam Neeson in real life because that's what Bill the Butcher would do. Bill the Butcher was ruthless, had this ruthless aggression and this intensity and Daniel Day-Lewis decided to translate that to the way he interacted with Liam Neeson in real life. This is where I think method acting becomes a bit of a nuisance. I'm sure there are other actors throughout the past 10, 15, 20 years who have dedicated themselves to method acting for a role and had great success with that process. One example, for instance, is Heath Ledger's performance as a Joker. He locked himself away in a room for two weeks straight in a hotel room and just wrote in his journal and muttered away to himself and perfected his laugh for the Joker. The Joker he played was a very paranoid character, a very isolated character, and to get in that mindset, Heath Ledger made sure he wasn't interacting with anyone other than himself and only having conversations inside his own head. And that let him get in the mindset of the Joker for that movie and it paid off tenfold. It's just a real shame he wasn't alive to accept his Academy Award because he fully deserved it. It was one of the best performances I've ever seen in a Batman movie. Never mind a Batman movie. Across the board, one of the best performances I've ever seen from an actor. But he never went as far as trying to hurt someone in real life. I think you have to pick and choose. This is my opinion. Again, I don't know how much it's worth. But you would think that actors could pick and choose the right character to do method acting for. There was no need for Daniel Day-Lewis to be violent in real life to get in the mindset of Bill the Butcher. Now, maybe he would debate otherwise, but there was other things he could have done to make sure he could embody that character as fully as possible. I just feel like going to these extremes of throwing a bowling ball at another actor's head. What are you gaining from that? Are you getting in the mindset enough? There's other things you could have done. There's ways to embody a character without trying to hurt someone in real life. I just don't know whether that was the be-all and end-all of making the best movie possible 
and really you would think that would hurt his reputation tenfold because imagine hearing that as an actor oh Liam Neeson got a bowling ball hurled at his head you were thinking oh was it a crazed fan was it someone he pissed off no it was Daniel Day-Lewis he did it because that's what his character would have done in the movie and that was his excuse you would think oh Christ I don't want to work with Daniel Day-Lewis and it's surprising that he worked in other movies as prominently as he did after that but again I suppose quality and talent is always going to trump crazy stories and crazy behavior for instance Jared Leto playing the Joker in Suicide Squad he sent a pig's head to Viola Davis's character during the production of the movie and I remember the interview with her telling the story and she was horrified and her husband was really worried because he thought it was a death threat other actors on the set were also sent body parts of animals I think chicken heads were the things that were sent to the other actors on set and you just think why would you bother Jared Leto's a good actor he doesn't need to go that far in terms of method acting and really does this help the movie or does it hinder it imagine being sent a pig's head or a chicken's head halfway through production and you know that it's Jared Leto half the actors could have said fuck this I don't want to work with this guy if he's going to be doing this it could have put a grinding halt to production and then that's a movie that is scrapped because someone went too far and again there's other movies in the past that Jared Leto has done that if he practiced method acting with it probably would have really hurt himself take Requiem for a Dream if he was a stupid to kind of put himself in scenarios that his character gets in in that movie he could have wound up dead and again I just want to go back to what I said earlier I think that most actors are smart enough to pick and choose the right characters and the right movies to use method acting and practice it in real life another actor that may have taken method acting a bit too far was Jim Carrey when he was filming The Moon Man in this movie he plays Andy Kaufman a great comedic performer who died far before his time and in this movie it's recreating his rise to fame retelling the famous interactions the famous stories surrounding the infamous comedian in this movie you had the likes of Paul Giamatti Danny DeVito who knew Andy Kaufman in real life and were at times really irked and irritated by Jim Carrey's choice to fully embody Andy Kaufman on and off set and kind of saw it in poor taste as he was betraying someone in a dim light who was now deceased and kind of saw it as dishonoring them I'd like to put the question across to you do you believe that production sets should put up with method acting in their movies do you believe it's fair for other actors to have to put up with this kind of behavior from co-stars do you believe that method acting helps a movie or does it hinder it let me know up on anchor fm spotify and twitter before we get into the movie reviews for this episode i just want to share some quick movie news around the minions movie i don't know if any of you have seen this but the minions movie has been making waves and not with the crowd that you would think there's been tons of young men young lads who've been dressing up in suits buying tons of bananas selling out movie theaters and going to see the minions movie and then forming mosh pits 
in the theatre and throwing bananas at the screen and shouting banana during the movie. They've been selling out movie theatres like mad and the movie is overperforming expectations because of this. And it's been widespread across news outlets. I think ITV News covered it yesterday. It's gone so far as cinemas are banning young men coming in wearing suits because they know what they're at. Let me know what your thoughts are on this news up on Anchor FM, Spotify and Twitter. I absolutely love this side of the internet. I love that someone just decided to do this and it's now become popular to dress up in a full piece suit, go in and watch the Minions movie and throw bananas at the screen. It's just so weird and wonderful. That's one of the sides of the internet I love. But again, I'd love to know your thoughts up on Anchor FM, Spotify and Twitter. Okay, let's get into the movie reviews for this episode. We're talking about The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Colman, as well as Matrix Resurrections, starring Carrie-Anne Moss, Keanu Reeves, and Jada Pinkett-Smith. I'd like to start off with the Matrix Resurrections movie. I was really excited when I came across this online, and I thought, okay, this is obviously the last installment of the movie. I hadn't heard much promotion around it. I think I saw one trailer, and I thought, oh, that's going to be good came across it, had to give it a watch. I was let down, to be honest. I was really let down. There was a couple of good ideas thrown into this movie. I loved how they went back to Neo. He's living his life in the Matrix again. And there's a new set of characters who try to wake him up. They do have some of the original cast in it. Keanu Reeves, obviously, playing Neo. Carrie-Anne Moss playing Trinity. As well as J.D. Pinkett-Smith playing an older version of her character, Naomi. But overall... I thought this movie was a big letdown. It's directed by Lena Wachowski, one of the original directors of the original franchise. Her sibling doesn't join her in making this movie. And in researching this movie, I found out that the real reason she made this movie was because she knew it was going to get made without her. And she wanted to have creative control over the franchise she created, which is as good a reason to make a movie as any. But I just felt... It was a very paint-by-numbers movie. There wasn't much that I was clinging on to or invested in. There was times when I walk out of the room and I thought, okay, I should go back in and watch it. But overall, I don't really care what I'm missing. And that's never a good sign in a movie when you can walk out for a couple of minutes and not care about rewinding it and watching it from where you missed. Overall, I thought it was a great effort. Again, there were things in the movie that I really liked. Neo is in the matrix as thomas anderson and he's the head of a gaming company and he's made a game franchise based on his experience in the matrix because he's been told listen you had a mental breakdown what you experienced wasn't real so he decided to make it into a game franchise and make some money off it there is again reprisals in these roles by some of the original cast but there is no Lawrence Fishburne, there is no Hugo Weaving, and those characters were excellent. Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus was so good in the original franchise, I loved his character. Another character I really loved from the original franchise was Agent Smith, played by Hugo Weaving. I really love Hugo Weaving as a character actor, I thought his work in V for Vendetta was so good. He really embodied that character and I think he did the same as Agent Smith. He was a great adversary to Keanu Reeves as Neo and the rivalry they had in that movie. The intensity they had in their battle scenes was unrivaled and I thought 
it just really added to the movie. There was no big rivalry in this movie that I latched onto. Jonathan Groff does come in the role, tries to fill the shoes of Hugo Weaving in this movie. And I really like Jonathan Groff. He did a great job in Mindhunter and I really love him in the Hamilton musical. But I just couldn't invest in him as Agent Smith in this movie. It felt forced. It felt lazy at times. And overall, just really didn't buy him in the role. And when you have an iconic character like Agent Smith and you can't invest in the character or the actor who's playing that character, it's dead on arrival. And really, that was my opinion on the movie overall. It was kind of dead on arrival. It didn't feel like fans were crying out for a Matrix reboot. Maybe they were, I don't know. But I didn't hear buzz about it. It just kind of arrived one day. And I understand that everything is getting a reboot these days. It's the era of reboots, to be honest. And of course, the Matrix movie was next in line to get one. But was it needed? I'd love to put the question across to you. Do you think we needed a Matrix reboot? Do you think we needed one final movie to cap everything off? But overall, I didn't think this movie was needed. For my rating of Matrix Resurrections, I'd give it a 2 out of 5. You don't need to see this movie. It doesn't give you any finality. It just gives you the romantic story between Trinity and Neo once again. And kind of just reiterates their love story. And the fact that even though they're stuck in the Matrix for a second time, they'll still find a way back to each other. One bright light of this movie was Neil Patrick Harris. He stars in the movie alongside Keanu Reeves and Carrie-Anne Moss. I thought his performance was very good. He plays the antagonist and he gives Neo's character a lot to do. In my opinion, he does a good job of providing a great antagonist. Because we're missing Hugo Weaving, we miss some of that rivalry. But Neil Patrick Harris does a good job of providing good entertainment a lot of action, and someone you can root against and kind of get on Neo's side to defeat. So overall, 2 out of 5. Good performances, good action in the movie in parts, but there was too much in the movie where I was bored and didn't care what was happening. Overall, this is a reboot that never should have happened. It's flopped in China. The budget is still above the income for this movie in the box office. So financially, it seems to have flopped. But overall, I'd love to know your thoughts on The Matrix Resurrections. If you've seen the movie, let me know. I'd love to know your thoughts on this movie up on Anchor FM, Spotify and Twitter. Next up, The Father starring Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Colman. This performance by Anthony Hopkins is next to none. One of his best performances. It earned him an Oscar nod and an Oscar win. He got an Academy Award for Best Male Lead in this movie. He won it at the age of 83. I think he's one of the oldest Academy Award winners, if not the oldest in history. And he fully deserved it. This movie, again, was so good. I want to talk about the concept behind this movie. I did a review of the movie up on my YouTube. Check it out if you haven't already on Finding Yourself with Kyle Duffy. And make sure to subscribe to the channel for more reviews like that. This movie plays around with a concept and tells the story in such a unique way that as audience members, we can actually experience everything the main character does. A quick synopsis for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, we follow Anthony, played by Anthony Hopkins, who is struggling with dementia. He refuses his daughter's help, played by Olivia Colman, as he struggles with the fact that he is losing his mental capacity and all bodily functions. And 
this is such a heartbreaking movie. Anyone who hasn't watched it, just know this is a sad movie. There is no happy ending. It's a bleak, realistic outlook and perspective of what someone with dementia goes through. And it also depicts what dementia can do to a family unit and how it can affect family members. In the movie, like I mentioned, Anthony is being looked after by his daughter Anne, played by Olivia Colman, who is being affected by it as well. She is heartbroken that her father isn't really her father anymore, but Anthony Hopkins' performance, oh my God. He can be heartbreaking one minute and you really sympathize with him. Most of the movie, you just feel like you want to give him a hug and save him from the disease, but you have to watch everything unfurl and see how bad it gets. And this movie plays around with the editing and the way it's edited, scenes kind of flow together and then disrupt and it really puts you in the mindset of someone with dementia and you feel everything Anthony Hopkins feels, everything his character does. For instance, there'll be scenes where two characters are talking mid-conversation and then Anthony will enter the room and the conversation will keep on flowing and it'll end and then he'll leave the room and the conversation will restart as if it hasn't already happened and you're living deja vu like the character does in the movie with dementia. So this movie really hit home what it's like for someone with dementia and the realistic performances and portrayals in the movie by Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman, Rufus Sewell does a great job in this movie as well. He always manages to play the bad guy in a movie and he does it here as well as Anne's husband who is just fed up of looking after his father-in-law and feels the strain of caring for him on his marriage and resents Anthony Hopkins' character for that. And you can see that being a realistic portrayal as well because one thing that caring for someone with dementia does, it puts your life on hold. And if you're a married couple, it puts your life on hold as a couple. And you can see his frustration as a husband in this and he wants to admit him into a facility, which Anne, played by Olivia Coleman, won't allow. There are other great performances in this movie by Imogen Potts and Olivia Williams. Overall, this movie does something different. It tells the story of living with dementia in a different way and I actually reviewed it up on CRCFM this past week and had a great time talking about it. One thing this movie does that others haven't in the past is it actually puts you in the shoes of the person with dementia instead of the family members. Normally movies like this and movies in the past have dealt with topics like this but from the point of view of family members accepting this transition. One movie in particular called Still Alice dealt with this as well and it dealt with a woman called Alice who was dealing with early onset Alzheimer's at the age of 55 and she was an academic and the real story there was her family members accepting the fact that their mother would soon not know her own name, never mind their name. And it dealt with her as an academic and her fear of losing her ability to articulate her thoughts, her intellectual side and her mental capacity overall. That's definitely a movie I think you should check out as well. Still Alice, let me know if you've seen it as well up on Spotify, Anchor FM or Twitter. The father does something new and it offers us a different perspective to the story and that's why I think it's unique. Also the camera work, the editing of the movie 
and the writing is excellent. It's one of the more realistic portrayals of someone with dementia I've ever seen. And the directing in this movie by Florian Zeller is magnificent. Definitely recommend The Father. It gets a 5 out of 5. If you haven't seen the movie already, I think it's now available up on Netflix to view. I'd love to know your thoughts on this movie. Up on Anchor FM, Spotify and Twitter. Let me know your thoughts on the movie. Do you agree with me on it being a 5 star movie? Or did you think it was lacking something? Love to know your thoughts up on Anchor FM, Spotify and Twitter. As we come to the end of the episode today, I will be talking about a few movies I think you should keep an eye out for. But before I do, I want to talk about the oversaturation of superhero movies in Hollywood today. There's so many of them and I can't keep up. And at some stage, they're going to burn themselves out. There's so many Marvel movies. They're just oversaturating the market and I honestly can't keep up. And at this stage, they're going to start releasing so many of them that most of them are going to tank. Speaking of bad Marvel movies, I watched Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness the last day. I thought it was pure muck. But again, I've never really gravitated towards this character. And don't kill me if you're a Doctor Strange fan. I just don't think he's a good character. I like the actor, Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he's a very talented actor. I just feel like his character isn't as entertaining on his own. And I would consider myself a fan of some Marvel movies. I do love the Thor movies, especially the upcoming movies that have been directed by Taika Waititi. I think he's a very talented director. I do like the WandaVision series. I really love that up on Disney+. Plus, But Doctor Strange never really got into it. And I don't think I will. The newest movie, didn't really like it at all. But I'd love to know your thoughts up on Anchor FM, Spotify and Twitter. Do you think there's an oversaturation of Marvel movies and superhero movies overall in Hollywood right now? There's a new movie coming out, Tour Love and Thunder. I will go see that. I think I've booked my ticket for next week. But I love Taika Waititi and anything he's directing, I'm going to go see. And again, big fan of how they're molding the character of Thor into a more comedic character that can provide a bit of laughs as well as a bit of action. Love to hear your thoughts on the superhero franchise and the superhero movies up on Anchor FM, Spotify and Twitter. As I wrap up the episode today, I'd like to leave you with a few movie recommendations that will be coming out very soon that I think you should check out. There's The Woman King starring Viola Davis, John Boyega and Ashonda Lynch based on a true story. There's also the movie Amsterdam starring Margot Robbie, Christian Bale and Robert De Niro. Gone in the Night seems like a very interesting psychological thriller starring Winona Ryder. There's the movie Smile, a psychological horror movie, as well as See Them Run, which is a murder mystery starring Saoirse Ronan, Sam Rockwell, Adrian Brody and many more. These movies look excellent. I've seen the trailers for all of them, so I would definitely mark them down as movies to check out in the next few months. This brings us to the end of the episode today. I hope you all enjoyed it. Again, you can always listen to my podcast, Finding Yourself, up on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all our major podcast platforms. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to check out the rest of my episodes up on Spotify. Give me a follow for future content, and give me a rating up there as well, because it always helps my visibility. This has been Finding Yourself with Kyle Duffy. Thanks for listening. I-List I-O.